Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score NI. Now it's time for this week's program. Our, our studio guest, and we're delighted to have him in here. Not just uh, the Welders boss, but an Irish league legend, and we can definitely say that, Gary. Um, you've uh, been there, done it, won it all, and uh, Marshall Gillespie, who's uh, everyone's favourite stato has told us 696 Irish League appearances, 55 goals. That's not a bad return, is it? No, it's not too bad. I actually thought it was 59. Michael, but uh, there you go. Oops. No. <laughs> which, I wonder which competition's been missed there. But, um, I mean, it's some career, and uh, in this uh, segment of the programme, we're going to get to go back on it. But let's talk uh, matters at hand and the return to the Welders. Easy decision for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had five great years there, you know, before... I made the move to Glen Torn, um, so I'd been out of out of the game probably got to nine months. So um, I got the call to say to see if I'd be interested in having a chat, and uh, it was a no-brainer. Your first spell there, I mean, you, you had success that the club haven't had before. Got them to a record high league finish. No pressure this time, then. No, not at all. Um, you know, it's it's always hard. You know, to, to come in after somebody you know has been sacked and I knew um, the last management team very well. Um, but you know that's football. Um, so to come back, you know it's definitely a club and you, a lot of familiar faces. So uh, it's just a case of now trying to steady the ship a bit and, and hopefully start climbing. And when it comes to these sort of things, obviously knowing the lay of the land, knowing the challenges uh, ahead of you, it gives you a big advantage. What was the the kind of message from the club in terms of where they see themselves in the next couple of years? Well, obviously, you know, it's been well documented about the new ground. Um, I think there was a wee bit of a fallout between certain parties, um, you know, on the building of the ground. I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs, but uh, what I can't say, it has started again. So we're, we're hopeful, you know, the next sort of 12 to 14 months, um, the ground will be up and running. So it's, it's going to be, I'm sure, the envy of most. So obviously that's where the, the club are, the direction they want to go. Um, and I think the, the, the main thing will be the promised land of the Premiership someday. Because, I mean, you know better than most how long that this has been sort of the little carrot dangled in front of the Welders supporters. One day there'll be a new ground. What realistically does it mean to the club if this finally happens? Um, it's going to be massive, not only for the club, but probably the you know, the whole area. You know, East Belfast uh, in particular, very few um, 3G, 4G pitches. You know, we know that myself, my my sons um, at the Glen Torn Academy, and they train on a Tuesday and a Thursday in North Belfast. So... It shows how hard it is to get a ground, you know, in the in the area. So yeah, um, you know, I was there, as I say, five years as manager, which we got to six years ago. I first started on the the ground was sort of, I'm sure the project was going on four or five years before that. So it's so much hard work that the club have put in, and it'll be great to see the, the when it's uh, finally done. And uh, I guess, uh, among other things, as well as uh, being good for your players and for training, it might also bring in additional revenue for the club. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. You know, you, I think you only have to look at you know the likes of Crusaders and Cliftonville. You know, they get the the three G, you know, laid when they first got them laid. It was I think it was uh, the first four league titles was two for Cliftonville, two for Crusaders. So I don't think it's any um, mean feat that f- not only you're used to the three G services, but Obviously, what it can bring in, you know, through rental and the, these grounds are on the 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, so I, I would say the, the welders will be hoping to get something the same. I think it's very interesting to hear you talking about 
you know, Premiership as a as a target, and you're not set up for this season, and we know that. But is there any sort of fear in your mind putting that big sort of goal out there? Because the Championship has never been an easy league, and there's no signs of it getting any easier. No, it's really really tough, you know, and, and even coming back. You know, the last couple of weeks we've we've played really well. I mean, we've finished second, we've finished third. Um, but I would say in the last couple of weeks, you know, there's probably times we haven't played any better, and we're walking away. You know, maybe winning four and five nil um, with a comf- you know a comf- comfortable victory. But the last couple of weeks we've played really well and got nothing. You know, so it's I don't know if it's a mindset or or what it is. You know, that we need to instill into the players, but it's a tough, tough league. There's no there's no doubt about it. In terms of the the squad that you have already, there there's been a couple of changes naturally, as there's going to be. Is it? Are you looking towards the summer realistically in terms of starting to stamp your mark on the club once again? Yeah, I mean, what we have at the minute, uh, there's a lot of good players. There's no doubt about it. We've brought in um, two ex players and Gary Spence and Craig Harris, who. Or two stalwarts in, in my time, so it was a no-brainer, and you know they'd be welders men through and through. So um, it was you know one conversation, and, and the, uh, their mind was made up. Whether I bring any other ex players in would probably be um, time will tell. Probably you know I don't know um, just at the minute what what exactly I need. You know um, we've, we're overloaded with midfielders. Everybody's looking for strikers, and you need the, the, the stalwarts and um, top defenders. So. Yeah, we'll we'll have a bit of time. You know, we've still got a couple of weeks of January, so maybe one more, um, possibly two this month, and then we'll we'll have a good think coming into the new season. Oh, there you go, Welders fans on Twitter. <laughs> you can start placing your uh, your guesses now. I'm sure you're going to keep tight lipped on those, but uh, the phone's been ringing off the hook. Then has it? As soon as you get that job. Oh, I I always loved you. <laughs> oh well, I would say next year I'll be ringing probably a bit more once this ground's up and running. You know, as I say, everybody I want that uh, maybe be a bit of it or be a part of it. Um, so I would imagine, you know, looking at the plans, uh, it'd be a lovely place to play every second week. And obviously the facilities are going to be top notch on it for a Tuesday and a Thursday. So we'll see. Young uh, Matthew Ferguson, obviously I know well from a distillery days, uh, still distillery days, of course. He's, he seems to be a remarkable goal scorer. He's scoring goals for fun for us. He's went to the Welders, he's scored goals for fun. Uh, I know he's, I think he's still in loan from Glenavon, I think. I'm not sure the exact update on that, but he's doing well for you. Doing really well. Um, I had Matthew when I was Glen Torn under 18 manager. I think he was a 15, 16 year old midfielder. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually when he went to the distillery, he, he moved up top. He moved up top. Um, right. From midfield, because I know yeah. Balamini was in midfield, but he, yeah. he's like a duck to water, you know. Obviously, he's he's got a good, um, well, as I say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know, he's a bit to do, go with the catches to add. But uh, no, he's been brilliant for us now. You know, he's, a, he's, he's aggressive, he's, he's very fit, he's good in the air. And he's a great finisher, so you know we're very, very lucky to have him. Must be quite difficult for him to be constantly compared to your father in that case. I well, his, his, his dad wasn't too bad, but um, <laughs> I suppose you know he's moved from midfield up front. You know, I think probably yeah. as a as, if he had started as a kid as a centre forward, he'd have been you know yeah. probably a bit you know like David Healy's son or whoever it may be. You know, um, Spike I think was the all time or second all time top scorer of the Irish yeah. league. You know. You know, it's it's been going on for 130, 140 years. So the chances of, uh, you know, anybody finishing, when obviously, and back in the day, Fred Roberts and whoever else, and Jimmy Jones, no disrespect. You know, mm-hmm. people were playing two at the back or whatever it was. You know, and yeah. and it was all about attack. So, yeah. you know, what he achieved, what uh, Spike achieved, you know, in modern day football was incredible. So. Um, I'm quite happy. I think Matthew's sitting on 13 or 14 goals. So yeah. at this stage, the season's fantastic Doing for very us. Well. 
And uh, it's not just uh, him that's providing the goals, which is always good from a manager's perspective. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you take them from anywhere, but it's not always nice to have that focal point. Yeah, most certainly. Um, what, looking at your, your kind of coaching career, obviously the one thing that a lot of people listening today will be looking at is Glenn Torren because you, you made that move to your old club Um it's a bit of a mixed bag. It all started so well and, and ended in acrimony, unfortunately. How would you sum up the, the stay overall? Um, really enjoy, enjoyable uh, at the start. Obviously, it was my fifth time, believe it or not, back to the club. Um, three times as a player. I managed the under-18s, as I said, and then back as um, as assistant manager to start with. But um, working under Big Ronnie is obviously experience. You know, one of the most experienced managers, not just in the Irish League, but probably Europe. You know, I think it's... The guts of 30 years um, at Portadown alone. So, um, and then very proud last January when when I took over as, as manager. You know, so no, well, it's it's, a, it's been my club as always has been my club. You know, it's obviously a bit of a, a second of the way things finished, but um, you know, we'll, we'll be onwards and, and upwards as far as uh, I'm concerned. My, my sons are now, believe it or not, at the at the academy. So um, there's no animosity. You know, it's 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 a big club and and. And they're going well, so fair play. I mean, you're someone that doesn't need to show any passes when you get to the gates of the Oval, I wouldn't think. Well, I didn't used to. I don't know about <laughs> now. Um, no, I've got a... We give you, after you've played 250 games, you get a... Uh, looks like a lifetime time pass, so... Um, which is great, you know, if I ever need to go then. Um, it's in my wallet. And even sort of in the, the midst of anything, nobody's gone here. You wouldn't you wouldn't fire us that back through the letterbox now. <laughs> no, not yet. No, I'll maybe uh, I'll maybe not speak too soon. No, that's um, it's in my wallet, so that's what I'd imagine it'll stay until uh, until it's needed. I know it was short lived, and and certainly the way it ended wasn't the way you would have ever chosen, or, or many Glentoran fans certainly uh, would have ever chosen. But what did that that brief spell as manager mean to you? Yeah, well, it's probably still a bit surreal. I've never really, really thought about it, you know. Um, but when you think back, you're you're thinking, flip me, you know, I managed them, you know. Um, it was as probably a bit when I retired, you know. You think back, you, you actually forget an awful lot of your career until you maybe see highlights or you maybe see a medal. And you're going, flip, remember that day, you know. <laughs> so it's probably a bit like that, you know. It's not that I would take everything in my stride, but it's when you actually sit down, you think back, you go, flip, that, that was, you know, quite an achievement. So. Both playing and then getting the chance to manage them was, uh, you know, you could say it was a dream come true. I never thought in a, a million years I would manage. You know, always as a kid, you wanted to play. You know, I grew up a Glen Torn supporter, so um, the, to play over three hundred odd games was would have been a dream come true. But um, to manage them, then you know, it's it's on the CV, so that's that's where it'll, it'll remain. Never say never for the future. I <laughs> will. I would say. <laughs> I don't know if stranger things have happened, but they probably have. It's just uh, it's a revolving door. But you know, five times back, you know, who knows? In ten years' time, someone said to me, uh, or I actually saw it online last night. They said it's as many years to twenty fifty as it was from nineteen ninety. And I thought, oh dear God! So who knows what the future holds after that? It's a real sickener for me. Uh, just ahead of a milestone birthday. Um, was that what you were like as a player in terms of you know the sort of winning things was like water off a duck's back onto the next and always onto the next thing, not sort of enjoying the moment too much if that makes sense was that kind of how you always styled yourself no I definitely enjoyed the moment there's no doubt and I think probably my, my teammates will tell you that um, you know you, I, I would have been nervous before games you know especially big games but it definitely helped me you know it wasn't a case of being a, a, a jittering idiot I was, I, was <laughs> I, I felt more 
Well, if I was nervous, I felt more uh, determined, um, more concentrated, and actually probably made me a bit more aggressive, as in the man I was marking, you know, I had it in my head, he wasn't getting a kick, and that was it. You know, if he gets a kick today, then there's something seriously wrong. So that was my outlook, and, and the more nervous I was, then I felt the better I played. Uh, that's very interesting. Did, was there ever a, another teammate that sort of had to, to reassure you before a game, or was that just your, the butterflies, was that just your kind of own zone? No, that was definitely my own zone. Nobody really had the... I think they probably knew the big games too. You know, I, I played with a lot of great players, you know, right through my career, you know, and um, they're all winners. Uh, if, if you weren't a winner, then you weren't you weren't at the club. You know, you were at their own club. Um, that's the way it was. Um, I had that instilled through, you know, Tommy Jackson, um, the Roy Coyle, and then spells in between, you know, Nigel Best and Roy Walker, Glenavon, you know, even Stephen Baxter, Crusaders. Um Tommy Wright on Kenny Shields at Ballymena so I played under a lot of great managers I've missed any there then um, forgive me but that's off the cuff but uh, you were, this, 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 was in, this was instilled in the, it was, you know, they were all winners as, as managers and I think you know, most of the ones I mentioned there had league titles and, and Irish Cups or whatever else so if you're in their team you're doing okay A lot of the different uh, management styles in terms of all those you must have experienced all the different levels of the way managers can be Absolutely um, we've had the you know the the cup throwers, the the, <laughs> the ones who would threaten you, okay. the ones who would you know put your put their arm around you, you know. But all players are different, you know. If somebody mm. put their arm around me, I'd, I'd wonder what was going on. <laughs> you know, the truth, it was probably probably a bit more old, old school, yeah. you know. And you know, the threats didn't worry me from a manager; it didn't worry me at all, you know. But you know, you knew they were serious, and um, there were certain managers. If you had an answered back, you wouldn't have kicked another ball for the club. Mm. So um, you just had to suck it up, take it in, and move on to the next game. Is there any particular one that stands out as the best manager? Um, well, it would be probably unfair. Um, for me, probably my management would have been Roy Walker. Okay, uh, was excellent. You know, he was um, he was so wise. You mm. know, but he had won two league titles with Crusaders yeah. and pretty much a shoestring. Um, you know, they all had their, their, their definitely their strengths. You know, not too many of them had that many weaknesses. You know, Tommy Jackson gave him a chance at Glen Torn, a great Glen Torn team, sort of 89, 90, made my debut. Um, you know, he was he was a hard man too. You know, he, he was a hard player. He was a hard he was a hard man as a manager. And I think he'd probably handle himself off the pitch too, you know. So yeah, yeah. I think you had to, you <laughs> didn't so. take his, his threats lately. Um, obviously, Roy Coyle was uh, one of the, I don't know if he's still the most successful, but... He also was, um, you had to listen to what he said. If you didn't, you wouldn't be in the team. Um, okay. If you didn't listen again, you wouldn't be at the club. You know, it was, uh, it was Roy was pretty much his way or the highway. And, you know, nobody can argue with his, uh, his record. No, so, at four years with, with Coiler. So, tough, you know, he's a tough, he, he took the do with everything. He took the training, he took the preparation, he took the team talks. It was, but it was what his whole motto was one voice. And that's the way he operated. Okay. I mean, when it comes to, you know, honing your craft now. You've been a pupil under some very good teachers when you look back on it. Yeah, I would probably try and um, probably push towards a, a Roy Walker and a, a Stephen Baxter. You know, Big Stephen is, is good. He's good man management. You always listen to the ones, you know. I think the days of the threats and stuff are going. I mean, I'm not saying the players aren't as mentally strong um, as, as we were, but you need to be very careful nowadays, you know, if, if you're not threatening, but... 
as a whole, sometimes you, you you lose the bap, you know, as a manager. You know, you're, you're planning something all week and then they do the complete opposite. You know, you're not going to pat people on the back. I mean, I'd be, I'd like to think my players will tell you too. I'd be very honest. When somebody does well, I'd be the first to, to shake their hand and tell them. I'll tell them in front of everybody. So they need to be prepared if they've had a nightmare that I'm going to tell them that they've had a nightmare, you know, so they're not too shocked. But, but isn't that key to having a good relationship across the board? Because I personally, I've never trusted anyone that's full of compliments for me. You sort of go, hold on, what, what, what's the motive here? Tell, you know, tell me as it is, and uh, hopefully players respond to that. Well, they do, yeah. I think, yeah, especially the boys that, um, I think there's still six or seven at the Welders that were uh, there before I left, you know, are still there. So they know how, how I operate, you know, it's honesty. You know, if you, as I say, you've got to be prepared for the, you know, the, Rollicans, especially when you're getting a pat on the back for you know how good you are. So you know they get used to it, and then um, fingers crossed, then they'll, they'll be more prepared for pats on the back. I'm glad you said rollicking, not something else there. <laughs> <laughs> have to be careful. Without mentioning any specific names, you said they're about threats. What sort of threats are we talking about here? Well, probably you know, but ra- rather than you know, I would say physical, um, <laughs> physical abuse. Um, I would say it was probably you know, if you if you don't you know. You, a lot, of, a lot of managers, you, you get one chance. You know, nowadays mm. you maybe get two, three, four chances. You have one chance to to get it right because our squads are that strong. You know, if you didn't um, buck your ideas up, you know, after maybe having a bit of a a bad time or a, a bit of a nightmare in a game, you know, if you were lucky, you got one chance. You know, you you could have been out of the team um, before long. Somebody came in who was equally as good. If they came in and, and got their head down, you could have been out of the team for two, three months, depending. I mean that's that's something else. How how did you deal with that pressure? Because I'm thinking, of, you know, specifically initially, you get your chance at Glentoran. It's the team you have grown up supporting, as you've already said. Great players, really great players. There must have been a party going. Oh my goodness, it's happening. Uh, probably the first night I went went to train. Um, as a, I was actually believe it or not, it was a saying that night. Actually, two days before my nineteenth birthday, which was pretty old. You know, nowadays, if you're 18, 19 in the club, you're gone. You know, you're, you're moving on to the next club. Um, so I was 19 and came in from Hollywood FC, who are an amateur league team, 2A, 2B or 2A. Um, we used to win 2B and then get relegated straight away from 2A. So um, I was scouted by the late and great Billy Spence, who I think his CV would be the length of most people's arms of players he's brought. So um, I went to Glens and say that they just won the double in the 87, 88 season. And so it was the 88, 89 season, I signed. And um, as I say, household names. On the first night, we actually trained on the Oval. Uh, Robert Strain was the manager. And I was looking around, and you're seeing all these these guys, you know, you, you're, you're going to Saturday to watch it. Billy Caskies and Jimmy Cleary's and Barney Bars, Terry Moore's, even John Devine, who's, you know, only a year older than me, you know, but Big John, I think, was in the... Northern Ireland squad at the time and, and Raymond Morrison's and Johnny Jamison I mean you could go on and on you know probably forgotten some even Alan Patterson and Nets you're, you're looking at these boys going next thing you run round you know um, the same pitch as them but that was a bit surreal tell you the truth Who was the first of those to kind of make you feel at home because I imagine going in at that stage I mean it doesn't matter how confident a person you might have been that has to be a bit scary it was, well, what happened, I mean, usually we, or the, the second team, didn't train with the first team. I don't know why, that night, um, we were on the oval, um, sort of running, running around the track and stuff. So um, when I, st- I started playing for the Glentoran seconds, who were very strong, we won the first full season, we won the, the League and Cup, the Stephen Suns Cup and the League. Um, but you had a lot of players dropping down from injury and, and what have you. But I'd say what stood 
or who stood out most for me was Barney Bars. He was absolutely fantastic. He came. I I went to the club, believe it or not, as a, a left winger, stroke left sided midfielder, and Norman McGreevy, another blast from the past. We played in the Stephen Sons Cup match at at um, Donegal Celtic. Uh, they were a, a real cracking intermediate team at the time. So we mm-hmm. went there and he got injured after five minutes. And I was always decent in the air, so they put me back. And that was the last game I ever played in midfield. So from that game, I don't think I would have made it at uh, Glen Torn as a midfielder. But um, as a centre-half then, I sort of I got better and better every week and then I got my chance. So, But I would thank Barney Bars an awful lot because he came down and uh, he talked me through two or three games. He's come back from injury. He was absolutely outstanding. And that stuck in my head whenever I was coming back from injury as a first-team player, dropping down into the, the seconds. That, that's how I hopefully we treated the, the, the kid beside me. It's a great lesson, isn't it, just in life in general? You don't know the impact a couple of wee words of reassurance can make to somebody? Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, I played with other guys who didn't have as much patience as Barney, <laughs> and it would maybe have, um, it maybe have put you off a wee bit. Um, but, you know, the role school, um, for example, the club captain at the time, Terry Moore, um, he... He put the, would put the fear of God in the, you know. And there was no answer in Terry back? No, and there was not even that. You know, it was like, Terry used to tell, actually tell you where to stand, you know, <laughs> to a certain point. And, uh, but the thing about it was, I was quicker than Terry, so he wasn't, he, he wasn't too, um, you know, too uh, unpleasant when you were doing his running. But, uh, that's, a, that's a smart player, though, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> He'll wind course. you up. You do yeah. all the running for him. He can, he can take the pats in the back after. Of course, yeah. And so he did. <laughs> uh, you would have never done that towards the end of your career, no? I probably did, aye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the likes of the Crusaders and stuff at Coatsy, who's only maybe 21, 22 at the yeah. time. He's, You're just going to unleash Colin Coates. Yeah. Sick him. Go. Yeah, and he was quick. You know, Coatsy was quick. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you get ways. There's no doubt. You definitely get wiser. I mean, and people always talk about it being proper blood and thunder football before uh, before all the... I mean, an understandable concern about protecting players and stuff like that. You must look back in old clips and go, nobody was protecting me. No, it was uh, it was tough enough. And there was a lot of hard players playing then. You know, I mean, we, we had some, you know, with, with a lot of tough players back in the day. Billy Caskey, Raymond Morrison, you know, no prisoners at all. Um, and then probably later on in my career, I played them with Mark Lindenning, who possibly one of the, the best tacklers I've ever played with. You know, people say he's dirty, he wasn't. You know, if you didn't go in and protect yourself, you would have got hurt. But yeah. he was always the ball. And people are maybe listening now going, it's Nelson's, he was a dirt bird, but he wasn't. He was 100%. I played, I'm sure, 300 plus games with Sass. And uh, he was uh, hard as nails. But I would say nowadays he might struggle to to play five games in a row, <laughs> truth, as his bookings mounted up. Is there, is there any part of you that laments that change? Because I know there's definitely a generation of fans that watch and they, they miss that total commitment, as I think a lot of people would describe it, you know, getting stuck in rather than tapping, ding, or dangling a wee leg in and sort of hanging back and stepping off your man, just going in and getting the ball. Well, you know, rules are rules. I mean, there's, there's probably still plenty of hard players out there, you know, but the, um, the less harder players have got wiser. You know, they probably make a meal off somebody who's coming in to, to tackle mm. them or whatever, and they're maybe calling referees, which is, it's not even it's not even the case of the hard tackle going. It's probably the as I say, the guys who have got wiser to somebody who they know a bit tougher than them. You know, they, they can they can get them a booking or whatever. You know, but at the end of the day, the rules are rules. It's it's not the players that have made it. You know, it's it's come from obviously, 
UEFA or FIFA or whoever it's come from. So, you know, as I say, you've, you've got to abide by the rules. There's definitely still some cynical stuff in football I was loving. I have to say, take my hat off to Diego Simeone, losing the cup final. The the player that gets sent off for hacking down Morata gets man of the match. And Simeone, who's the loser manager, just says fair play, he actually won his team the game by making a, did you see it? He charges half the pitch back and comes flying into the back of the forward because he knows forward's one on one with the keeper here. I'm just gonna swipe him and take him <laughs> out before he gets into the box. I mean it's the sort of stand up in your living room and applaud the man stuff, but uh, I love that for one. So I thought fair play to Simeone, where other managers would say, oh, he cost us the game, he went, he's won his team the game, and ultimately, isn't that what football is about? Oh, yeah, well, he'd have done the same himself, I'm sure, the same man, you know, so, you know, what goes around comes around. Do you ever do any uh, anything like that? Did you ever find yourself going, I either take this red card or, or oh, they score? One for the team, yeah, yeah, I think everybody has, you know, sometimes you get away with a yellow, which is which is great, but unfortunately, <laughs> um, depending who's in the middle, you know... Uh, you get flashed a red, but in the end of the day, if you, if you get away with it, then great. If not, sometimes there's a penalty, you know, you're a goal down, you're down to 10 men, it's a bit stupid. So you, you need to just um, be very careful and, and sure of what you're doing. Did you ever get wound up by the old newspaper reports or commentators or whatever talking about smart places they give away a free kick? And you know all these sorts of terms. That any, was there any, and it might not be that, was there ever a wee phrase or a wee thing about defenders that, that you sort of thought as a defender, that's a load of bunk and why do they always talk about it? Um. Possibly, I mean, Roy Walker's one was "Thou shall not pass," <laughs> and, uh, and he used it regularly, and that that is a hundred percent the truth. You know, if he got if if uh, the forward got round you, you you didn't you, you took one for the team. You know, whether it was a uh, an arm round the waist or a trip or whatever. And we at Glenavon um, finished runners up, I think, in Roy's first season. I got I done my cruciate, unfortunately, about the September. But uh, we had ended up with the best goals against record, and it was no mean feat. He built the team um, from the back, and that would be what, what I'm trying to do, you know, and any team I would go to, you know, especially the welders now, you know, when, if you're strong at the back, if you don't concede goals, you don't lose games. And Roy's a fantastic guy to work with. I've commented on loads of matches with him, and he's such a reassuring presence to have because he, he just seems to know the right words to say even now I mean certainly when I was a young commentator coming into it and you had a game of Roy Walker you just felt safe with Roy and I'm guessing that's what he did with you as a, as a player as well he, he knows the right way to motivate you Exactly the only thing you know nowadays is great because you've got Google you know and changing room Roy was using words that we had never heard um, and still to this day you know I would, I'd be watching him on he's, whether he's doing Sky or a local uh, commentary you, you have to have your, your Google out you know and even when I'm trying to spell it, you are better putting it up to the TV, you know, and, and Siri. And Siri can explain what he's talking about, but he's, oh, very he's a very shrewd, clever man, you know, and I've a load of time for him. Very good. Thou shalt not pass, we got that bit. What was that other word, though? There, yeah, very articulate fella. Um, when we look through your playing career, uh, so many winners' medals, what ones stand out to you the most? Probably, uh, well, actually, right at the start, probably the Stevenson's Cup. Um, to win a, a medal with the Glens was probably always a dream. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't massive at the time. I will try to tell, tell the truth. It was massive at the time. I think there was there was three or four thousand at um, Seaview. You know, we we never played, in, or I had never played in front of a crowd, probably any more than a couple of hundred. Um, so Christmas morning it was it was a big big occasion. Obviously, still a big occasion. Uh, first league title would have been ninety one ninety two, and first Irish Cup winners medal. Which is Glen Avon? Was Glen against Cliftonville in '97, I think. Um, I mean, they're all. I mean, I've never, I've never won a bad one. You know, whether it was a, a County Adam Shield, the Middlestar Cup. You know, I never, I've never won a bad one. You know, there's not such a thing as winning a, 
you know, win the cup and, and not enjoying it. Um, and obviously the biggest one was probably Glen Torn v Linfield in 2001, so Irish Cup final. So that was, uh, I think it was the first time in 20-odd years that they played in a big uh, big two uh, cup final. So it was massive, massive crowd. And you have, I mean, uh, what was it, seven Irish Cup finals, I think it was? Seven Irish Cup finals, yeah. Four wins, three defeats, and all finished 1-0, which is... Remarkable when you think about it, you know. The, um, you take that in the league. <laughs> you would, uh, yeah, exactly. But if you won, if you played seven games, won four, and lost three, you'd probably be sitting mid-table. Yeah, well, you know, true. That's, that, that's a difference. But at least your goal difference would be decent. Do you think back to the three that you've lost or the four that you've won? If you're being honest, the, f- the very first cup final was a game with Glenavon. I think '96 um, was we lost mm-hmm. it against the, against the Glens. Um, I would say uh, possibly one of the best nights we've ever had. Um, Glenavon would lost the cup final. It was, it was, it would, it was a party after no matter. And I would say it was probably one of the best parties I've ever been. You know, it was family and obviously my wife was there. And but what a night we had! And we're just thinking, we need we need more of this. But actually, went we end up three cup finals with three Irish cup finals in a row: 96, 97, 98. So you always thought, well, sure, there's always next year. I mean, I. I'd made my debut 89, 90 and never I've been beaten in two or three semi-finals so mm. you're thinking maybe deep down you're thinking flip maybe that's it but we did we got we got into the next year and we won it and we lost the, the following year again to Glentorn you know as I say they're all 1-0 so they're all very close and very very tense uh, affairs But doesn't that as well say something about the mood of that team at the time because no one likes losing any match especially a cup final you'd be totally forgiven for going home locking yourself in a room for a week and just going isn't life awful but the fact that there was the people there to kind of bring each other back up and go right next year exactly yeah and and a probably a lesser um case at, at the welders we, we got the Stephen sons cup final i think probably four years ago and we got hammered by carrick you know we didn't turn up in the day and yeah in the change room after it was those lads we'll, we'll sort it out next year and it was probably falling deaf ears but we did we, we went the next year and we won it so we, we with two Christmases ruined in a row, you know, because yeah. I mean it's your whole, just the whole day changes. You know, there's we end up in my mother-in-law's, which we always have Christmas dinner in our own house. So, you know, you you see view for half nine in the morning, whatever else. You know, the kids are opening their toys and presents and whatever. So, um, I would say it was it's it's a Christmas ruined in a way that uh, preparation. But then when you look at the big picture, it's it's a fantastic occasion. You see, I mean, and I do want to talk about Irish Cup finals because they're special in themselves, but we don't talk enough on radio about the Stealing Sons Cup final. And yet it's the, you know, it's that historical thing that it'd be a shame if it was ever lost. That that Christmas Day, you're going to your cup final. What is that experience like? Obviously, you've had success as a player and a manager. I would say I, I went down to those uh, the Stealing Suns finals as a manager, probably equally as nervous as I was as a player going to an Irish Cup final. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's just disappointing. I think they've degraded the trophy now, you know, with um, the so-called intermediate teams out of it now, you know, the championship teams. Um, it's it's a, one of the oldest trophies in, in the country. And I think now, you know, OK, bar your reserve teams, it's pretty much an amateur league trophy. You know, no disrespect to the amateur league, but they've got the Border Cup, they've got the Clarence Cup. Um, they can enter the intermediate. They can still play in the Stealing Suns, but I, I do honestly believe that they've, they've they've downgraded. You know, such a great a great trophy. You know, because it was massive um, for the likes of you know Harlan Wolf Welders, Dundella, you know Ballyclare, you know we Lauren in their day. You know, it's it was a huge uh, occasion and something you set out at the start of the season to, to go as far as you could. 
um, in, in the, the competition. So now you don't have that. I mean, in all honesty, OK, I think twice in the history of, of the Irish League football has been won by junior teams. The Irish Cup's been won by junior mm-hmm. teams. Dundal and Carrick. You know, the chances of Harlem Wolf Welders winning the Irish Cup or the League Cup are, are, are slim to none, you know, if we're going to be real realistic, you know. So. You, you need the luck of the draw and then some. Exactly. <laughs> um, Irish League players, like Irish League reporters, commentators, are all in the same boat as uh, most of us have other lines of work. People in those jobs will say, Merry Christmas, have a lovely two weeks off, or whatever the case may be, and you're thinking, yeah, right, this is where the work begins. What was that period like for you? Because uh, I'm sure at times it must have been a, a strain on the family when you know you have to be Santa, you have to do a million other things, and you're going, aye, but if a big game here on Boxing Day, or if a cup final here, or whatever else... Yep, exactly. It's probably, you know, it, was, it is it is tough, no, but the good thing, you probably know, you know, three, four, five weeks in advance, you know, what's going to happen. So you can prepare that way, you know, you, pre- you prepare, you know, in your in your your home. Um, there's a lot of our boys too who had maybe babies, you know, um, you know, our very young children. It was probably harder for them. You know, I've, at the time, maybe had a, a daughter who was a teenager or she's, she's 20 now, but uh, a son who's quite happy to, to, to plod on and, and open toys or whatever, you know. So it wasn't as if you were away for, you know, a fortnight. You know, you're away for a few hours and you get back, you know, hopefully to celebrate. And, and, and the second one, it was very well celebrated, I'll tell you. Oh, I, I bet it was. They, uh, the, I mean, Boxing Day derbies completely shape your whole festive experience as well. Because I was doing the games on the 28th and, you know, even if I had just arrived from Mars... You could tell as teams walked in who had won and who hadn't won on Boxing Day. Exactly. And Boxing Day is a fantastic occasion, you know. Um, I was very lucky to play in four, the four of the big derbies. I played for in the, in the big two. I played in the North Belfast derby. I played in the Ballymena Colerain. And I played in Glenavonport of the Downs. So I was lucky to play in, the, in the, the, four, the four big ones. You know, if you think, you look back, I'm, I'm sorry if, if somebody maybe thinks that there's, there's ones as big as them, but... They were all massive occasions, you know. Obviously, Glentoward and Field uh, size-wise would is the biggest. But I mean, I played in, in Portadown and Glenavon or Glenavon Portadown, where the grounds were packed the capacity. You know, whether it was six, seven thousand people. You know, both teams were going well. Played Crusaders and Cliftonville, massive, massive derby. And I played in two Boxing Day. I played at Ballymena and also played at Coleraine for Ballymena and, and Boxing Day. So. I was lucky, very, very lucky to play in the, in the four the four big uh, festive derbies. Did it surprise you when you played in the other ones just how much it meant to those fans? Because there, you can be forgiven for understanding better the Glentor and Linfield experience and thinking about that and not realising just how vociferous those rivalries are. There's one of Roy's words. Uh, when you go and you uh, you, you pull on the, the jersey of Glenavon or, or Crusaders or Ballymena? No, it didn't surprise me at all. You know, there's everybody's got their rivals. Everybody, you know, has got their enemies, and and in some cases there is hatred. You know, a different kind of hatred. But you know, I know exactly or knew exactly. You know what it meant to, you know, Ballymena supporters or Crusaders supporters or Glenavon supporters. You know, I grew up an Irish League supporter. Um, I was lucky enough to say I played in a lot of big two uh, Boxing Day games. So. It wasn't a case of you know going out and uh, thinking that oh, I well, should have played in that one. This this doesn't really mean much. I mean, the, as big as um, you know the Oval or Windsor are, the atmosphere at, at you know Mournview or Seaview or Solitude or Shamrock Park or 
Coleraine or Ballymena, you know, they're, they're all the same. See, when the, the, the grounds are packed, you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, who you're playing for or, or, or whatever else. I mean, you couldn't have got any more in, you know, into the grounds that, than, than yeah. there was. Um, and I mean, there's you can sense your real passion for football, and and uh, I'm sure Welders fans are absolutely loving listening to it, uh, and, and football fans in general. Uh, that move into coaching, I I wasn't there the day you retired from playing, but I was told it was a bit of a sort of spur of the moment thing. Is that was it really just a? No, I think that's me. Was it? I hadn't even thought about retiring. Really? No. Um, well, it was uh, obviously Crusaders and Clevenville. And Crusaders hadn't won the cup. I think it was about from nineteen sixty eight or something. This was two thousand and nine. <coughs> excuse me, two thousand and nine. So obviously a, a big derby, and uh, I think it was what, eight or nine thousand at the game, whatever it was. And uh, I'm a one, and it was actually Jackie Fullerton just asked me what next year I held, and I thought, Do you know what. I think I'll call the day. That was it. And did Jackie know you were going to say that? Or no, nothing? I no. didn't even know I was going to say it. I think my <laughs> wife was listening to the radio and they are crashing away home. So um, I think she probably quite enjoyed her Saturdays and the Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> or whatever. But um, So no, that was it. That was a, it was a spur of the moment. And I actually played a friendly for Dundella. They were struggling for a centre half. I played against the Glens. I played the Glens every year. Mm-hmm. And it was about two, three months um, after it retired so I went on the train on the Tuesday and the Thursday and the Glens played their European full European team they were going to play on the, the following Tuesday whatever. we beat them 1-0 with a makeshift team and I actually got a call from wow. um, Charlie Murphy to see if I'd go back to Crusaders after but uh, I stuck my heels in and that was me Love that that's a brilliant story I, I just imagine the surprise as well What's, what have you got lined up for next year? I think I'm done oh right okay <laughs> um, where did the the, the coaching come from then because as you said you you always wanted to be a player you'd done that and, and you did it uh, in you know fantastic fashion what was the inspiration then to to try it from the other side um, I got a call actually from Scott Young he was manager of Glentor at the time to see if we'd uh, take over the, the Glentor and Colt team um, after a, th- a, a brief think you know I rung Scott back in a couple of hours and said I'll go for it so um I would say rather than a, I know it's called a coach now. I would rather be known as a manager. Um, I like to manage people. You know, I, I like the, the, the. I mean, your phone never stops. You know, it was simple as that. Uh, first thing I done, or when, when I was at the, the welders, you know, you bring in a, a guy you can trust, assistant manager, and then I brought in a top class coach, and Al Nixon, who's a you know he's a pro licensed coach, but he's his life's coaching. So I would say to Al, I'm going to play this, I'm going to play that, or what what positions I want him to play here or whatever and he went out and he did his stuff which made it so much easier for you know me and then you know you can you see when you can go on a Tuesday and Thursday and sit and watch you know a session I mean usually I would have maybe eight, eight to nine players picked mm-hmm. uh, from the previous Saturday so on a Tuesday and Thursday night I would have another two that I'm going to make my mind up about so depending on how they're done in, in training then that that would, would, would still, still be the case today and I guess that shows the importance of having a good assistant manager there. As you say, you want someone that has all the coaching aspects. You have you want a man manager, you want to pick out the ideas that you have and, and they come in and help you implement them. Yeah, it makes it so much easier. You know, if you probably like Sequoiler, you know, he came on, even Roy Walker, you know, they, they would we'd be picking their teams, they would be setting up coaching, they would be taking the coaching flat out. You know, a lot of managers would do that, but I was quite happy to... Um, not in a lazy say, but I'd be quite happy. Somebody who's so passionate about coaching, you know, um, would go in, do their stuff, 
Um, it wouldn't be a case of, you know, I'd, I'd say, for example, Alan, we're going to play a, a 4 5 1. I want him on the right, I want him on the left, mm. I want a whole midfielder. Um, I want him to be the attacking, whatever it may, may, may be. And this is where I want to set up. And, you know, his knowledge was was uh, straight ended. He didn't even need any preparation. He did come in for a year as assistant manager to Tim McCanta still. You know, that was a difficult year. I know the club was going through a, a rough patch over those few years, to be honest, you know, financially off the pitch and off the pitch. That must have been a big, big learning curve for you personally. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was moving from basically, I had the year with uh, Glen Torn Colts and I got the call from, from Tim. Obviously, we played together at uh, the Glen yeah. Torn and I know Tim is really passionate. You know, he's a passionate, yeah. passionate, he was a passionate player. He's passionate and anything he does, you know, he, he he, he, he throws everything into it so I had no hesitation and to tell you the truth I really really enjoyed the year we had you know I think um, it boiled down to I think one game against Donegal Celtic at one stage at Hobart there was a stage where we conceded I think in injury time about four or five weeks in mm-hmm. a row we were beating Dungannon we were beating yeah. Coleraine we drew twice while in field you know it was uh, two Crusaders to a replay in the Irish Cup I think we maybe lost in penalties uh, it was just it was just so close, you know. But it was it was a really good um, learning curve for I'm sure both of us. Yeah. Distillery um, had been a big club, you know, great history, and uh, so it was no it was no brainer. As I said, it's definitely stood me in good stead. You know, I went in as a as probably a backup to the Tim, where everyone was Tim's ideas. You know, and I'm not throwing him on the bus here that it was <laughs> his idea because we got relegated, but. Um, as I say, he's passionate. I was quite happy to, to help him along, and we had a really good coach in Sammy McFadden at the time, yeah. um, which is a you definitely need. You need a, you need an assistant manager, and you need um, a coach. You know, to, to, that makes your life much easier. Yeah. I remember around about that time we were hoping to get a few names in January. It didn't turn out. It's very very difficult to attract players when a club's struggling. Exactly. Yeah, it's probably probably a bit like us now. You know, um, the Welders were third, fourth, bottom. Um, and you're trying to you're trying to sell the club to people, and then they're maybe looking at teams above going for they have a chance of promotion. But mm. I'm trying to sell the big picture. You know, this time next year, I would imagine you know we'll be turning players away simply because of what you know is is just maybe going to be around the corner. And I would say that um, the way it's going, it will only be around the corner. You know, this maybe the ground will be or the pitch will be laid this time next year. Okay. Maybe there's only the floodlights to put up. I don't know, but we'll not be too far away. So f- fingers crossed. Okay. It's definitely an exciting time in local football. There's so many different ideas being put forward. I mean, the the All Island League thing isn't going away. They're having more stakeholder meetings coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Um, people are talking about whether even if you don't go along with that, there should be summer football. Stay as you are with all these ideas floating around. Sort of what what camp are you in? How do you see Irish League progressing? Because there's no doubt that the in the top flight, it's more competitive. Um, numbers are increasing gradually year on year there's a lot of positives to take are big changes needed to kind of get it back to the fans you were playing in front of or what do you think in the next couple of years if you take your ticket out of the welders and just look at football in this country um, well I think this year has been fantastic obviously well probably started last year with Lauren you know on Purple Bricks and uh, Kenny Bruce and then you've seen you know Glen Torn um, with investment and then the European money is unbelievable now. You know, it used to be you're lucky to break even. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got if you had a trip to Romania or the Czech Republic, you know, your three flights and whatever else. But now, if you qualify for Europe, you're you're set. You know, pretty much, and especially if you qualify into the next round. Mm-hmm. You know, Crusaders and Linfield have proved that. You know, it's massive, massive money. So you know, there's you know three three teams qualifying for for Europe every every season, and then you've got the Lauren and Glen Torn scenario. You know. 
I don't think it's too far away from, you know, I wouldn't be a fan of summer of, um, summer football. I know it's probably, you know, for Europe, it'll be a big help, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's for me. I don't, I don't think we'll have the facilities here, you know, and bumpy pitches. You know, there's very few clubs of sprinklers and, and stuff like that, because that, that's what it would boil down to. Yeah, so you need to have thinking for the many, not the few, to borrow someone else's political slogan. Exactly, you know, it's, as I say, um, I'm quite happy personally the way it is. Uh, and just a, a quick one, because I know uh, you had time with him at Glentor and Darren Murray's on loan to Carrick Rangers. Um, he's a, a person, for better or for worse, people always have an opinion on. Uh, what's your take on the move for him? I was I didn't really know Darren before he, he came to the Glens. You'll heard so many stories and, and obviously a lot, a lot of it was well documented in press and whatever, but he's a, he's a real top guy. He's a, he's a good lad. He's, he's good fun in the changing room. Um, above all that, he's a very, very good player. Um, I think it'll be a massive loss for, for the Glens. You know, if you know if Darren gets his head down, he's as good as anybody in the league. You know, unfortunately, I don't know what's happened. Having a clue, you know, I've just seen it probably like everybody else that um, he didn't turn up for training. I don't know the ins and outs. I know what happened to Crusaders. You know, but you know, hopefully he'll he'll get himself back in track and not be the not be the end of him on a Glen Torn shirt. Might end up being shrewd move because uh, some of Carrick's games are against uh, big title rivals at Glen Torrance. So if uh, Darren Murray's out to prove a point and ends up doing them a favour, hasn't everyone won there? Uh, you never know. Um, Gary, I really, really appreciate you coming in. It's been fantastic having you on the show today. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Uh, there you go. Uh, Irish League legend, Gary Smith. Thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me, Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.